0: Um, We have a new person with us today. Taral, if you'd like to go ahead with your questions.
1: Hi, Tom. Hi, Taral.
0: My question is about Zodiac signs and the evolution of the consciousness. Mm -hmm. Since childhood, I've been always, uh, not like believing that, but always interested uh, in Zodiac signs because I always see that People who was born on a specific month, based on some Zodiac signs, they have the same qualities, let's say weaknesses or strengths. Later when I start to work on my consciousness, I realized that this is what actually this astrology means. It's the, the Zodiac signs. It's the cycle of the evolution of our consciousness. And um, I was curious. Um, have you ever re- um, pay attention on this? And would you ever think that it will be very helpful to tell people about this? Because there is really points I literally can say for each zodiac sign. They have these qualities when they came here. They have to work on it, and they the bottom line of the ego, fear, and the things that they're doing into your life is right there, right on this Zodiac sign. If they just work from there, it will help. This is the question, if you ever pay attention on that. And have you realized that entities in different realities or in different worlds, let's say, have the same uh, kind of structure of evolution of consciousness that was given to us too like a zodiac science.
1: Okay, several questions in there. Uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, astrology and what you're calling zodiac science, and I can approach that from two, at least two different directions. And one is that people often use uh, astrology to predict futures. Okay, that's one of the things they do. They have horoscopes that they predict what's going to happen. Now, you're shaking your head. That's not really the thing that you're involved in, but uh, a lot of people are. So let me go there a little bit. Uh, they do that, and what's going on there, it isn't so much the astrology that's making predictions it's the astrologer that's making the predictions and they're getting that information out of the database out of the future probable database and that's how that works they're using the astrology as a as a tool to help them extract the data out of the database so that is why some astrologers can be very, very good at predicting uh, things that happen. It's not that the stars are making the prediction or that the heavenly bodies or planets are making predictions. Is that the person is making predictions by getting data out of the database and they're using the astrology as a system to help interpret the data. Okay? Now, that seems to me to be uh true for a couple of reasons. I have had a, a horoscope done for me by a lady who was very good at this. And indeed, she nailed it in many ways, even things that happened like a year, two or three years later. It was phenomenal how accurate her horoscope was. But I also know that when people are good at making these kinds of predictions, they have to get in the right mental space for it. You know, they can't be washing dishes and having a chat, you know, with their children while they're doing this, or they can't be have their mind some other place. They have to get in that altered state. They have to get into that sense where they're, they're connecting and they're in that quiet space. And that's where the information comes about how to interpret what they're getting out of the astrology. So see, the astrology is the tool to aid interpretation, but they are getting data out of database. The same thing with people who read tea leaves. Uh, I've had a, a tea leaf reading, not for me, but for somebody I know real well, that also said a lot of things that over years came true very, very precisely. It was a very good reading. Again, the tea leaves and the patterns that they make becomes a tool for interpreting what they're the data they're getting out of the database. So there's lots of lots of prognostication is done that way. Uh, people um, in ancient cultures would throw a handful of chicken bones out on the ground, and depending on how those chicken bones laid relative to each other, uh, they could prognosticate the future. That's just another tool set for interpreting what they get with their, with their consciousness from the future probable database. So in that sense, yes, astrology can do that, but it's not really astrology that's doing it. It's the astrologer that's doing it. And the astrology is just like the chicken bones and just like the tea leaves. It's a, it's a, a way they can get by. So that's the way many people look at astrology. They, they look at it as, uh, you know, predictive into the future with horoscopes and things. But there's another way to look at it and that is that think of the problem that the lcs has when it was making these IUOCs, right it decided it needed to create some other chunks of consciousness with free will that would interact with it and with each other well how's it going to do that is it going to just you know make one up and then and then uh once it has one made, is it going to do a copy and make uh, you know a thousand copies? And now it has a thousand that are exactly alike. Well, a thousand twins, you know, right down to the last detail. That's very limiting. Um, things get interesting. There's a lot more possibilities if you have, we shall we say, um, uh, it's the word I'm looking for. If you have lots of different things going on. Differences are important. You know, the differences between people are important. If we we're all the same, we just kind of have a hard time seeing bigger pictures. We'd live in this bubble of sameness. So differences are very valuable. So the system would need to make some IUOCs, but make them differently. And how could it? Do that I guess it could just randomly you know run run random numbers on all the variables and do that but then that's not really you know a very good way to work the problem either because then you'll come out with different things and such variances that uh, um, it's not just diversity but you would populate things that otherwise would be very very improbable and you create some problems that way so one of the ways they could have done it since they were doing this maybe with uh, where they had the uh, virtual reality, if they have the virtual reality trainer, okay, and they're needing some more IUOCs because those people keep having more and more babies, so they need more and more IUCs to to log on uh, for the seats that are in that trainer, and they may start thinking, well, what's some way that relates to this physical universe that, Enable, would enable, uh, the system to produce the variation in the IUOCs that would give it the most growth. Well, it might pick, uh, you know, some number of fundamentally different, uh, personality types, like, you know, maybe 12. Well, there's 12 in the zodiac. Or if you're, maybe if you're thinking of, um, it's um, the thing we'd call, um, well, I'll get back to that. If you're thinking some other method where they break it into, you know, like 16 parts, it doesn't matter. You have eight, you have 12, you have 16. If you had some group and then you could make variations on that, well, that might be a really nice system. And you could cue that to, say, birth dates or birth times and places. And that means that every individual would be different because no individual is going to be born at exactly the same place at exactly the same time nor there wouldn't be many because people being born all over the planet at different places and at different times would would ha- would be a way of creating variation into the system that was a you know it was it would be kind of algorithmic it would be a way that you could just do that and that way you would keep everything within the bounds of the of the things that were useful to you. You know, the properties, those 12 things would have to be in bounds and complementary with each other, and the system could come up with that. So that may be another thing, another way of looking at astrology, that indeed the system may set out personality types just for you to start with and allow you to then make a, whatever you, you want to make of them you know, how you grow and the choices you make, then uh, you can, you can change some of that, but you have this basic proclivity towards certain ways of being, certain ways, certain attitudes, certain things, and that may be a possibility as well. So, oh, the one I was thinking of and couldn't come up with the name was Myers-Briggs, you know, Myers-Briggs has a, has like a four-by-four four matrix, you know, 16 different ways, and And it's a similar kind of thing. Well, the system could use both of those, and it would get even more variation. So it may use several systems like that, ways you can slice and dice personality and and other individual attributes, just so you seed the population with a lot of diversity that interacts with each other, that creates a lot more possibilities. So that's another way that, uh, you know, the the uh, that astrology might have its roots in reality, might have its roots uh, in the system and have to do with birth times and birth places. Okay. So these are also possibilities. Now, I just offer these up as possibilities. You know, I'm not saying this is the way it works, but there are, possibilities here for connecting um, astrology or you call zodiac science with uh, the bigger picture because indeed there does seem to be some fundamental truth to some of you know what we get out of the you know from from astrology and from Myers-Briggs and all of those things that divide seven and a half billion people up into 12 or 16 different categories. Uh, It seems to work pretty well. We seem to be able to be divided up into a small number of categories that pretty well, you know, gets everybody right. There's some people that probably say, no, I don't belong to any of those. None of those Myers-Briggs things applies to me or none of those Zodiac things applies to me. There may be some that fall through the cracks, but most people can find themselves in a Myers-Briggs or find themselves in a Zodiac and say, yep, yeah, that sounds like me, all right. That's, that's the way I approach life. That's the way I see things. So humans seem to be able to be divided up into a small number of, of types. And how all these types mix produces the diversity that we need to create the challenges that we need for growth. So those are some ideas. Now, I have recently done a little correspondence with a person who says that they have a bigger picture of what maybe you're calling zodiac science. And they see it as a bigger, more fundamental thing than the stuff I've just said. And I have yet to gotten them to tell me about that. So I also am open-minded that there may be other aspects of what you're calling Zodiac science that I just don't know about, but I'm interested and I'd like to learn. So this, this uh, fellow who, who knows that, uh, he is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking him and he'll get around. To, you know, it's, it's these long emails we have, so they only happen about once a month or so. But uh, I'm looking to learn more from his perspective. He's someone I respect and he has a good mind, and he understands big pictures, and if he says he sees another aspect to it, well, I'm interested. I'd like to learn that other aspect. So I also realize that I don't know everything about everything, that there's things, a lot of things I have yet to learn, and maybe you know more than I do about zodiac science. But the two things that I mentioned, the prognostication, that's just astrologers getting data out of the database just like the tea leaf readers and the chicken bone readers and the tarot card readers you know they all basically use these systems as a way to help structure their you know what the information that they get and and that there may indeed be a connection between people being able to be broken up into a small number of personality And attitude categories because that seems to work. It really does. You know, it's not like it takes 500 different categories to, you know, to to corral almost all the people. It only takes 12 or 16 or or some smaller number of those categories, and we pretty well can describe everybody's personality. Well, how did that happen? Why are there only 16 or 12 or 8 or something else like that? Why are there only that many? Or why is that enough? Well there must be some reason for that. It isn't just that those are all the possibilities. There's lots of other possibilities. So my guess is there's probably some constraints on how the system produces IUOCs that wants to make sure that we have a balanced diversity that we don't have you know 90 percent or all one type, but it's going to be balanced and it has some way of doing that. Some set of algorithms that may have to do with birth times and birthplaces or with, you know, other things. Some ways that it would just separate those out. So those are also possibilities. So that's kind of all I, all I know about it. If you're wondering, have I considered it and what do I know about it? Well, that's about it. But I think I've got some lessons coming on this subject when I uh, get back with uh, Jim and uh, he tells me a little more about what he knows about it.
0: And thank you, Tom. I have second question. Have you ever been contacted, or sorry, if other entities, entities from different dimensions or planets, let's say, have ever contacted
1: you here in Earth? reality yeah I've talked to lots of entities
0: I understand but this is all goes about the shifting your consciousness and um, and doing it with shifting your consciousness mm-hmm. but when you don't shift your consciousness let's say and they come to you is it ever happened to you I don't I don't really uh, asking about your experience if it's happened but I'm curious about is it happened to you and in which situation?
1: Okay, I think that it's probably difficult for most people to know when they've shifted their consciousness. It's something that just happens and can happen very naturally. You don't have to sit down and you know meditate and get into a particularly altered state to shift your consciousness. Your consciousness can shift in a millisecond. You can get into a different mental, mental state almost instantly. And you don't even have to intend to do it. It just happens, you know, certain uh, personality types. Um, and I can usually tell you how, you know, how those people start out and, and why they end up like that. But there are certain personality types that just are open to that sort of thing. And they get into that proper mental state where they are able to connect with other things within the consciousness system, which is a very broad thing that takes in other uh, physical universes besides this one and takes in all of this physical universe and takes on things that have nothing to do with physical universes, takes in all of that stuff, and they can slip into the proper state for that connection to be made, make the connection, and have no idea that they've changed states or, or done anything like that at all because they live in that state. They live in a space that's open to those things. So they don't see it as now I'm here, now I'm there. It's just now I am, and that stuff just comes. So, yes, that happens. That happens a lot, you know. And people uh, get all manner of intuitive information without really trying. So it's not a matter just of a state, but I'd say, yes, whenever you talk to other beings, you are open To that communication. You're in a space where you are listening. Let's put it that way. Maybe another metaphor to use. You're in a listening space. Whether you intended to be in a listening space or not isn't important, but you are in a listening space. You get that information, and you need to always remain open minded and skeptical about it because this information, again, can come from multiple sources the the lcs some other individuated unit of consciousness some other being right or from yourself or a combination of all of the above or any two so yes those things do happen sometimes information comes even though i don't ask for it it's just there um sure some, and it's sometimes it's in other beings. Now, when it comes to beings, realize that we tend to define anything as a being if it communicates with us, if it talks to us. That's just the way we, that's the pattern we put on it. Okay? If we have a conversation and something says, hello, my name's George and I'd like to talk to you, um, whatever, then that's a being. We don't think immediately, oh, it's just some thing out there talking to me. We turn it into a being right away because that's how we define things that talk to us. And it's sort of humanoid because those are the kinds of things that talk to us. It's not a a three-headed chicken. You know, it's not a talking dog. It's a being sort of like us. Well, that's what we bring to it. It's just a communication. It's a communication from something. Another IUOC, ourself, or the LCS. Those are the only three options. So it is a communication. We tend to make it immediately be a being, some other IUOC, because that feels more natural to us. We don't generally think, oh, that's my imagination, because it's so far outside of what our imagination might think of as we know it's not really coming from us but we wouldn't know whether it was an, an IUOC or or the larger consciousness system because the system can pose as anything to talk to you and it could come at that from any sort of thing tell you any sort of thing for its own reasons because it gives you a challenge to how you're going to deal with that you're going to let that information frighten you or you're going to let that information puff, puff up your ego or you're going to let that information do whatever it could send you anything just to give you opportunity to to choose how you're going to deal with it. And it could tell you almost anything just for the same reason, if it thinks it's a learning point for you. So that's the nature of the reality we live in. So, yeah, sure. Stuff like that happens all the time. What's important is what are you going to do with it? You see? And vetting the source, saying, well, all right, one of the ways I know what I going to do with it depends on the source. if I find if the source tells me that it's the you know most highly evolved uh, guru of all gurus and it's coming here to help teach me things or if the source says that it's from the Pleiades uh, star cluster and it's coming here to warn me or whatever the thing says is not that important. What's important is, what are you going to do with that information? How are you going to react to that? Are you going to react with fear? Are you going to react with that uh, with ego? Or are you just going to take it and say, yeah, okay, nothing, I haven't heard anything's going to change my life yet. You know, do you take it uh, in stride? Do you just blow it off? How do you react with it? That's what's important, not so much what you get. Huh?
0: I Go ahead. Decided ask, I decided to ask you, Tom. So, you know, uh, I completely understand what you said. When you shift your consciousness, in, you can do it in a second, and you get the information. But let's say when you shift your consciousness in a way you're seeing something, like in uh, like an entity, or maybe something like looks like a human, or looks like a native Indian, or whatever. You mm-hmm. see that, and they communicate with you. Mm-hmm. In that scenario, no one around me sees that. Like right. it's just my mind and just IOCS, wherever is that, is just mm-hmm. sending it to me. But when it appears on the sky, like a different flying Objects, I don't mean flying object like a technology, but technology as well, but also like a flying huge animals, let's say, mm-hmm. in the middle of the nowhere. And my friends getting scared of that, and they tell me, "Have you seen that?" I'm like, "I've seen that many times." So when my mom sees that, that was my question: Is it goes so direct that people around you you share that with them as well? Your vision, this is this is above of my understanding. Putting aside this shifting of consciousness, this is how
1: okay.
0: in a physical reality, in this earth reality, with something above my understanding. They have contact me. I understand it, but I don't know how to go. And that's why I asked the question to you.
1: Okay. So when you see something and it appears physical, you know, you see something in the sky or you see something on the ground, it doesn't matter, but whatever you see, that is a data stream being sent to you that you interpret. Okay. That's what it is. Now, What's the source of the data stream? Where is it coming from? What anybody else sees, that's a data stream being sent to them. Every one of us lives in our own reality. We each get our own individual data stream that we have to interpret to be whatever we interpret it to be. So if you and 10 other people are standing out on a balcony at night and all 10 of you see this giraffe flying by, you know, or you see a spaceship or something else and a little green man, you know, puts his head out the window and waves to you. Uh, if that happens and all 10 of you see it, you would think, well, gee, it must have really happened because we all saw it. It wasn't just in our imagination. We all saw it independently. That just means all 10 of you got that data stream. That's all it means. All 10 of you got that data stream. Why? Where does the data stream come from? Again, it comes from your imagination and other IUOC or the larger conscious system. Well, in this case, it wouldn't be your imagination because everybody saw it. Well, it probably wouldn't be another IUOC because they would have to intentionally send it to all 10 people. Possible that it could be that, but it's more likely it's the LCS in that case. It's just more likely. Again, there's never any certainty that the LCS would send all 10 people that data in their data stream, and they would all see a similar thing. Or maybe there's 10 people there, and you're the only one that sees it. Well, that doesn't mean it's your imagination. It may mean that it could be your imagination, but it may be that the LCS just sent that data put in your data stream, nobody else's. The point is, what are you going to do with it? You see, that's the key thing. It's not that you got the information. It's not about the spaceship. It's not about the flying giraffe. It's not about even whether it's the LCS or you or, or another IUOC. It's something that now you have part of your experience, and what's important is how are you going to deal with it, you and the other people. Now, it's possible that if you see it first and then others see it after you do, It's possible they're getting that from you because that would be getting it from another IUOC, you see, which is one of the possible sources. So they could be doing that. And you may have that in your mind. Look, look up there. Don't you see that? Don't you see that thing? And if you're seeing it, they could be picking it up from you because you're broadcasting it very loudly because you're so excited about it, perhaps. But maybe not. The point is, all those things are possible. You see, and you have to stay skeptical about all of that and have to learn to live with uncertainty. You really don't know exactly. There's no way to know what exactly is going on, why and how that got in your data stream. For the most part, it's probably the LCS because the LCS runs the computer that puts out the data stream. And other people, other I U O are going to have to have you in their intention if they're going to send you something. Now, you can pick things out of other people's mind, particularly if you know them very well, like your mother or your, you know, your children, or you, you know, you tend to share a lot of stuff with people you're really close to. But that's not necessary either. If you're an, if you're an empath, you pick up stuff out of people's minds whether you want to or not, all over the place. Everybody's mind. So those are skills that a person gets. Often the kind of people that end up with this skill set are people who had a very difficult childhood. In that difficult childhood, they had to turn inward in order to save themselves, in order to keep themselves from going nuts or keep themselves from being too uh, destroyed by the, neglect or abuse or whatever else was going on in their environment. So they turned inward and they got a kind of a rich inside life because their outside life was painful and not very pleasant. And they developed this inside life. And that's probably starts from when they're two and three and four and five all the way up until after they've gone, left home. And then these are the people who often are very much in touch with Beings, they make good channelers, they do all sorts of things because they've learned to develop their intuitive side, they've learned to develop that inside part of themselves, and they tend to be very sensitive to that information, and very aware of that kind of information, because while everybody else developed nothing but their intellect, these people spent the first, you know, 18, 20 years of their life developing their inside Life, Their intuitive side, because the outside life was not fun and was not pleasant. So that's kind of the typical person who's very good at this sort of thing naturally. And not only are they good at picking up thoughts from other people, they're good at giving other people their thoughts. So these people don't have to go meditate to make a connection. They've learned that connection is just a part of them from the, you know, it's just who they are connections with them. Now, that's not the only way you can end up being an empath, but that's kind of the typical way that people in our culture end up being empaths because we don't really support that kind of development. So we only see it when kind of a a nasty outside world pushes that kind of development on somebody, whereas other cultures who encourage that sort of development, well, then they don't have to have that, that, uh, that problem you know that forces them into it, they, they can learn it for other reasons. But in our culture, that's typically the way you get people who are empathic and the way you get people who uh, can pick up on information coming from the outside. So the real key thing isn't where did it come from? Why did I get the message? See, people tend to focus on that. Who said that? Where did it come from? Why am I getting this? Why me? What does it mean? You see? And that's not the point of it at all. The point of it is, all right, you did get it. Deal with it. What are you going to do with it? How is it going to affect your life? Is it going to help you find peace? Is it going to help you get rid of fear? Or is it going to give you fear and help you find anxiety? You know, What's it going to do? How are, you going to, how are you going to deal with it? That's the key thing. Now, here in this reality, what we tend to do is, is first we bet the source. Somebody tells us something. Ah, you know, the moon is made out of green cheese. Somebody tells us that. And the first thing we think of is, what kind of degree do you have? You know, you're, a, you're an astrophysicist. What do you know about the moon? And then why should I believe you? That's the first thing. We try to vet the source. Is that source credible? And then after we vet the source, we have to look for, well, why would they want to tell me that? What, what was their purpose in telling me that? You know, what's the rub here? What's the hook? So we go through all of that kind of analysis, and that's how we decide what to believe or what not to believe. But the fact is, it's not about belief. Don't believe anything. You can't, you can't vet the source and then jump to a belief because the source says they have three PhDs and they know everything about it. That's not good reason to believe it. Doesn't matter. You see, you have to believe it because it fits with your own experience. Inside you it gives you something, it adds something to your perspective. It's somehow you have to find value in it. So that's the thing. You've experienced these things. Others in your family or friends may have experienced these things. Okay, so you all got data in a data in your data stream. Okay, now how how that came there, why that came there, you know, what does it mean? That's not the question to ask is, is it useful? What can I do with it? Is it useful to me? And if you work that problem, you'll have everything you need. Because if there's some kind of meaning in there, like, oh, I'm supposed to do something. Oh, I'm a chosen one and I need to go, you know, save the people from from the Pharaoh. If you get some sort of thing like that, then it'll come to you no matter whether you go after it or not it'll it won't it, it it will make it clear that you have some sort of meaning or thing to do you don't have to go searching for it it'll come to you in clarity so if it's confusing and you don't really know what to make of it well just leave it alone see where the value is and if you can't find any value just say well that's interesting Let's see what happens next. You know, what's the next installment going to be? Oh, instead of a flying giraffe, maybe it's going to be something that I can get more out of and I don't have to do so much guesswork and have all this confusion. You know, it's like if you really want to communicate with me, you're going to have to communicate with me in more detail and more precision. Otherwise, I can't use it. You see? And you say, what? You know, it's that sort of thing. So just. How does it, you know, what are you going to do with it? What do you do with it? And it's not, what should I do with it? What am I meant to do with it? Am I meant to do something here? Is this some bigger thing that I'm supposed to be involved in? Don't worry about any of that. All that's ego stuff. Just what does it mean to you based on your own experience? Decide what you're going to do with it. And hopefully you don't decide anxiety and fear. (laughs) You, you You decide the opposite. I'm not going to let this give me fear or anxiety, because that's not a good place to go. That's negative. So I won't, i reject that part. You know, if it's trying to tell me, watch out, warning, warning, you know, be afraid, the aliens are coming, or this is going to happen, or that's going to happen, the floods going to arrive tomorrow. If it's giving you all that kind of stuff, just say, eh, I don't buy into that. That's fear stuff, and I don't need it. If I need to know those things, it'll, it'll, you know, I'll know them. So that would be my advice: how to deal with stuff like that. It's not always what it seems to be.
0: Well, I don't know what is that. I, I don't understand why I'm getting that.
1: No. Okay. I,
0: I've been seeing many things, been living on my, on my dreams, so. Or- the conscious, all of that, but when it comes to this reality and it shows me you know, this way I'm coming so close, I don't understand how to understand that
1: Now that's the point, you probably can understand it, and don't let that worry you, or cause you alarm just let it be, say it just is, I'm seeing it but, if it doesn't particularly give you anything that you need then just let it be, say okay, there it is, I see it now let's go on to things that are more meaningful in my life. So otherwise you'll get twisted up around it. Why? Why, is it, why am I getting this? What's the purpose? There is no purpose often. It's just what do you do with it? Will it make you more frightened? So don't search for the purpose. Don't worry about why me. Just say, okay, this stuff happens. I right now don't have a use for it. It's not really that useful seeing animals running across the sky. I don't know what I can do with that. So hey, anybody out there, if you're trying to get my attention, you're going to have to do it in some other way that I can find more useful. And you just blow it off and say I get this strange stuff. As long as I can separate that and go on with my life, as long as it's not, you know, affecting me in any negative way, then I'll just ignore it, let it be that way. Otherwise, it'll go ahead. Oh, should I go to the desert like Jesus did? Probably isn't going to help any. It's not usually a matter of of um, going to a specific location. It doesn't have to do with the physical surroundings. It has to do with what's coming into your data stream. So going to a special place isn't going to help much. Anything that you can get, you can get in that data stream, whether you're in the desert or on a mountain or, you know, in your bed doesn't really make any difference. Let the burden of saying something that makes sense to you be on them or it not on you so just yeah just let it go and it's like well if you want me to play this game you're going to have to tell me more about it and why and you're gonna to have to make that clear to me it's not like it's a puzzle for you to solve. You know, that's not the way it is. If it's really the larger kind of system wanting to contact you, well, they can contact you in a way that makes perfect logical sense to you and fits into your life. They're not going to have you go off on some tangent or create a lot of anxiety for you to try to figure it out because it's some kind of mystery that you have to figure out. Don't, don't take that on. Just say, eh, can't use it. I've gotten a lot of things that I couldn't use things that just happened and i maybe get involved with it a little bit see that it really wasn't going anywhere and then i just let it go and it would come knocking on the door hey remember me remember this thing we had going and i go yeah not interested take it somewhere else but that takes confidence you see and most people don't have that much confidence. They start to feel like, well, it's something I'm supposed to be doing and something I should be doing with this and it has to mean something and it doesn't have to mean anything. Just don't let it interfere with the rest of your life. Keep it separate. Keep it to yourself <laughs> and, uh, ignore it. If you're really important to some, to some beings, they'll get in touch in a way that you can deal with it rationally, not some guessing game that you have to play with them. If there's a guessing game you have to play with them, it's not worth your time.
0: A larger consciousness system always playing with us.
1: Yeah, it does. It always plays with people in order to give them a chance to make good choices. And if they get all wadded up in their fear over something, well, that's not a good choice. But it will do things to give you that opportunity. It does. It plays all sorts of games with people, just to help give them choices.
0: Thank you, Tyrell. Uh, Tom, our next question will come from Ralph. Ralph, please go ahead.
1: Hello, Tom. So.
2: Um, my question would be about belief systems and recently I was thinking more and more about the role and the purpose of belief systems uh, in the LCS so um, my idea I consider it as a community of consciousnesses uh, with similar rules and ideas Um, and the question would be do they have an own dynamics so do they have an own mission within the LCS to spread the um their, uh, their rules and their mission among, uh, to, for example, to the PMR, um, or th- this means do the uh, belief systems serve a special purpose in the LCS, or are they just an artifact of our undeveloped consciousnesses? What do you think about
1: it? What do you mean, do they uh, have a purpose in the LCS? So, <clears throat>
2: From my understanding, so if several consciousnesses have the same ideas and want to follow the same rules, so you have a mission, for example, the religions have a mission and they want to spread their, their mission among people. So is there something similar in the LCS with the belief systems that the belief systems want to spread within the LCS with the ideas or is it just an artifact of the, the individual minds? So, um, is there maybe some sort of free will in in belief systems and doing some activities towards PMR, for example, and influencing people and so on?
1: It's pretty much just individuals and their own free wills and their own egos and attachments and things they they feel they need to do. Um, You know, if you're... If you're asking, like you know, a, a religion, does that religion also have a, a thing going in the non-physical, other than just the physical? Is that belief system somehow captured in the in the LCS? If you're asking that sort of thing, no, it's mostly just individual. So individuals may feel that they that they want to do things like that. They, um, you know, it's more that's uh, what they want to do rather than what they have to do. I think it, uh, like if you have the idea that you really need to share your ideas with other people, your sense of the larger system and how it all works, and you feel, I got this and it makes so much sense to me and it really helps me out, I need to share it with other people. Well, that's something you want to do. And you may go share that with other people and they may share it also with other people. But it's not something necessarily that you come here with a mission that you need to do, or have to do, it's usually something you want to do because of your own understanding. In other words, it has to be your choice. You need to be doing it because it's your your free will choice, not because you've been given a task and you're just doing the task. you know, like a good soldier. You're doing what you're told. You have to really do it because it's what you want. Otherwise, you won't be very good at it.
2: So, um, But if you go into meditation and you are entering a belief system, like you explained it also in your MBT uh, uh, book, so is it then a virtual reality that you are entering? Or is it uh, um, something dynamically working towards myself or to somebody else? Uh, Or is it just an imagination?
1: Okay, you're talking about um, something, let's say, as an example would be the, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, soul retrieval, where people go and help other souls cross over through transition because for some reason they're traumatized or they're having a, a hard time getting there. And a whole bunch of people could come together and they all do this in a class. You can go to TMI, the Monroe Institute, and you can get a week, week-long class in soul retrievals. I don't need... They don't call it that. They call it lifelines. You could go into a course called Lifelines, and you and the other thirty people in the course could spend, you know, a week helping other people transition. So that being an example, and my answer to that is yes, that's a virtual reality. That's another virtual reality that you and thirty other people are are working, are doing together. Now you may work with some other person, but mostly people like in those sorts of things are really working alone. Even though they're all going out and doing different things and they all come back and tell different stories, they're all pretty much working by themselves on a one-on-one kind of virtual reality. But it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes they can team up and work together during those things. And then it's the two of them are, are, uh, what do we say, they are uh, interactive players in that virtual reality. But those things tend to be virtual realities. They're there. It's a, it's, a, it's a system that allows you to exercise things that are helpful to your growth. If that example fits what it is you're trying to say, then you know, does, does my answer help or am I still off mark as far as what your, your point is?
2: Yeah, so uh, this would be one example, but maybe, for example, if you choose to be a Christ or a Muslim or somebody else. So um, is there some sort of um, virtual reality in the LCS where all these collection of minds come together and somehow uh, uh, interacting with each other? Uh,
1: well, there is no collective mind space for them as far as a you know, a Christian heaven and a Muslim heaven and whatever, that they all go to their separate spaces. No, it's not like that. Uh, the the belief space here doesn't make a belief space there. Um, they do all inter- interact in the sense that, that, well, I shouldn't say that. The, the interaction is, is not, uh, like a big group someplace there is no big group where they all interact with each other all those that have similar belief systems here don't end up then interacting in another reality system with each other not that I've known I've never run into anything like that going on I think that probably would not be the case because that really wouldn't be in the system's best interest that would be adding Fuel to that belief system, in a sense, where people really need to outgrow the belief system. They need to grow beyond it. They need to take what's good and valuable out of that out of that uh, system, and move on to beyond that system. So they don't have the limitations of the of the belief. So I don't think the system would really help foster beliefs in a in physical And I've never seen such a I've never seen such a thing.
2: Okay, so maybe a long, uh, one last question about that. So the LCS wants an individual to lower its entropy, so, but the same could be true for a community of individuals. So maybe it couldn't, wouldn't it be a first step of individual entities to, to lower the entropy in the community, like a, in a belief system?
1: Uh, I think it would be good for them all to lower their entropy together in an interactive way where they interact with each other with lower entropy. Yes, but in a belief system? No, I don't think so because the belief itself carries limitations. If you believe it's this way, then you'll never understand that it's maybe not that way. It, It walls you off from other possibilities. So beliefs are are uh, are a problem for that reason. So yes, all the people, the way they're going to learn to get there themselves is by interacting with their community, interacting with each other, interacting without ego, interacting without fear, and so on. So yes, the interaction is critical, but forming a a a belief system is a tricky business because that belief system will soon start to develop characteristics that are dysfunctional. Um, They will soon, you know, like we said, like in the remote viewing, you have to not start to tell stories or when you get information, you have not make stories up about it. You know, you have to leave that out of it. But what happens if you have a, a, a group of believers, stories get made up and told and, and new, uh, Doctrines and understandings come about, and pretty soon the whole thing walks off into some other space that really isn't all that helpful. Did that did that work, Ralph? Did that answer your question, Ralph? Or do yeah, you still...
2: it adds to my uh, it's another piece to the puzzle for me. Thanks. Okay.
0: When when Ralph was talking about belief systems, I remember uh, a portion of Robert Monroe's book um I don't know which one it's in. It may be in the last one, Ultimate Journeys. There's three, but he talks about place. At, at first, people will go to this belief system place, and that's probably a temporarily a temporary transition place for purpose of being comfortable, be assim- and assimilated into this transition period.
1: Never was- really, never really seen such a place. It's not so much like that. This place is just in their own mind, you see. It's not really a place place. It's just a place that's in their own individual mind. So it's not a place as we think of it. It's not like some subset of territory in the non-physical that like believers all congregate in and shake hands and whatever. It's not that. It isn't a particular space. It's just a, a thought space. In their own minds, but all individually, and what they're seeing—if they're—if you know—if you're talking to somebody who's been to such a space, what they're seeing is—is is their own interpretation of the data they get. It's, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not like there really is such a place. No, it's all—it's all the individuals. It's the way an individual may feel, but they don't congregate really in any particular space. That's the, the problem with that thinking is, is it makes it makes the non-physical just like the physical. It gives it dimension, it gives it volume, it gives it space, it gives us areas, areas where you know people hang out and so on. All there are there is different virtual realities, and there are different virtual realities. And you get in a data stream in that virtual reality, and then you're a member. But there aren't any virtual realities just for you know Christians or just for Muslims or just for people who. You know, when to go and relax, it doesn't really work like that.
2: So you mean, it means that they also don't think it's a virtual reality like you explained before for the uh, retrieval experiments.
1: Right. The retrieval experiments, that's a virtual reality. And it's a virtual reality in as much as you have a bunch of players who want to help people, um, tra- you know, get through that transition. And the system starts sending them information about, oh, look, here's here's a poor soul having a problem, and what happened? Oh, he and his family, you know, got caught up in an earthquake, and he's the only survivor, and he's having trouble dealing with the fact that of all his family, extended family, he's the only one that survived, and he's feeling guilt and this and that, and that's the problem. So they go talk to him and help him feel better and take him to where he needs to go. And yes, that's just a virtual reality. It's a virtual reality game. And you play in that virtual reality game by helping people. And the system creates those people that you help. Those are NPCs. But the point is, you know, in a way I hate to, I hate to say that because people who don't understand virtual reality will say, Oh, it's just a game. I thought it was real. You see, but that's just the wrong attitude. Of course it's real. Information is as real as it gets. This game we call our physical universe, that's just information too. So it isn't any less real than anything that happens here in the physical. It is as real as it gets. And it's an opportunity to exercise your quality by helping people. Just as real as your ability to exercise your quality in helping people here in this physical reality.